Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Nepp. Today is a fantastic day because my guest, Rosio Paris, is a woman who has got so many strings to her bow, but her passion and her mission in life actually aligns so well with what I'm doing is a little bit spooky. She is a woman who wants to make the life of herself and her clients really unstoppable. She is out there. She she joins me in the strong belief that it is much easier to build strong young uh, humans compared with uh, trying to repair broken men and women. So therefore, we both have that passion of trying to, to change this world. And we are actually convinced that we can one interview at a time, one book at a time. And here I've got an unstoppable power with me today, today Rosio Perez. Rosio, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. And I know when we talked, it was it was on fire. So I could only imagine what this interview is going to be like. <laughs> well, he had two passionate people, and and it is it is so beautiful. That's that's the power of connection, which is the opposite to addiction, the opposite to mental health problems. It's connection and finding your tribe, finding those people who you surround yourself with, who are maybe a little bit further down the line uh, in, in your journey, if that is a journey of self-discovery, a journey of recovery, of simply stopping your status of victim, and maybe trying to turn that into a survivor and maybe into a thriver. So here we are. We just so happen to be that we both are passionate about it and a bit further down the line. Uh, and hopefully we too can plant quite a lot of seeds today in those people who are listening and show them that, hey, if these two people can get their shit together, maybe we can do too. So that's the exciting thing. Rosio. <laughs> You, in order to shine and to go out there with the conviction that we both have, you have to be, by definition, in the darkness, because otherwise you don't appreciate the light. You have to go through, through, through a, a, a hero's journey, so to speak, yourself, uh, without any doubt, uh, before you actually take the conscious decision to change this world. So let's start early. When you were a little girl, who did you want to be when you grow up? What did you want to be? You just started right off. <laughs> I wanted to be a teacher. Oh, hey. Uh, that's exactly what I wanted to be. I remember as a little girl, I'd run around and I saw this teacher on TV and she looked amazing. She would be talking with the children. She was a school teacher and I thought she was amazing. And so I would go around with my tattered books and they'd be falling apart. And I would tell my uncle Sergio, uncle Sergio, someday I'm going to grow up and I'm going to become a teacher. And he listened to me for what seemed to be hours where outside we're chatting and here's Rocio. And I was like on the ABC, one, two, three, on a roll, you name it. I love school. I love learning. And that was my savior. Oh, your savior. Interesting. Interesting. Um, how was your childhood outside of school? My childhood out of school was not a very good place. And as a matter of fact, school was my safe haven. I grew up being abused. I've been, I grew up being told that I wasn't good enough, <sighs> that I, I would never amount to anything. And that was by my own mother. And so in growing up like that as a little girl, the only place that I knew I could be safe was in school. 
except I didn't know it. I knew it on a subconscious level. And this is here, you know, <laughs> from those moments of looking at self, you know, how do I transform myself? How do I look at it? You know, let's just be honest. I moved from point A to point B. We, my mother would pack up what we had and whatever that was, at one point there was five kids and two adults. Whatever we would take with us to the next home would fit in the trunk of a car. We would leave everything behind and start up over and over again, over and over again. I saw nothing. I never saw my mother go to school to support me. I never saw my parents have teacher, parent-teacher conference to be there. As a matter of fact, I grew up thinking that I wasn't good enough to a certain degree. There was a part of me where it's like, oh, can I, can I do this? And at the same time, the thing that saved me, the thing that had me move forward was my vision. I knew inside of me, although I kept on hearing, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. As a matter of fact, my mother told me she found me in a dumpster, that she had pity and picked me out of that dumpster. Can you imagine, Stefan, what that does to the soul of a child? right? To believe in that and to have like fighting inside of me thinking of, hey, I am going to make it and to live in an imaginary world to say, I know that the world that I lived in would not be the world that I would live in. Why? Because I had seen it somewhere. I saw it on TV. I saw those small glimpses of life that I saw other people. I knew that it was out there and I knew that I can create it and I knew that I can have it at one point or another. And I went out and I discovered it. And at the age of 12, my parents, you know, they beat me up so horrible that I couldn't even lay down in bed. And I ran away from home at 12. And I ran away from home finally, like forever um, at 13, after some severe beatings. And I was like a punching bag between my parents. And I said, I, I have to leave. I looked at my grandmother one day before we left, days before we left. And I said, grandmother, you know they're gonna kill me. And she said, I know. And I'm like, I need you to help me. I need you to help me get out of this. And I knew that I needed it out. I knew a couple of things would happen. I would either end up pregnant, and I'm not even gonna go into the details, or I would end up dead. And that was my reality. As in thinking of that and saying, okay, I've got to go out and figure out my life. So on January 3rd, 1989, I leave my home with a little jacket at 6 p.m., darted out the door because we're about to leave yet again, back to Texas. We lived in Colorado, flew outside, and I'm like, okay, I'm never going to come back. That's it. I get to begin my life again. And starting over again, it wasn't an easy journey. I ended up with my grandparents, you know, who's lucky enough that they took me in and I got into drinking. I got into partying. I got into smoking. I got into ditching. And that was brought on by the adults in my life. You know, here I go from one place. This is how life is getting beaten up to sometimes getting beaten up by, by my cousin, who was a little older than I was, female cousin. And then now we're drinking with my uncles because that's what that's what we do. I was destined for nothing. I was destined for nothing. At the age of 14, after being violated yet again by the one of the adults in my life, and I ran away again. I was about to be taken home again to my parents. And I said, there's no way. Mm -hmm. They didn't kill me the first time. I'm going to leave this time because I know they will. 
because of what I did, which was running away, right? I ran away from home. They'll kill me. I know it was bad at home. And so I ran away from home, Stefan, with my 22-year-old boyfriend, 14 years old. What do I know about life? Absolutely nothing, nothing. I mean, I go from not knowing to definitely not knowing and in survival mode and knowing, hey, I still have that vision. I have that vision that everything's going to be okay someday, that everything's going to move forward. I get pregnant. I'm 14 years old. Now I have a baby to be responsible for, if you could only imagine. And I knew a few things that if I didn't go out and create a life for myself and my son, he being born to a teenage runaway whose family didn't support her, who was in an abusive relationship, working menial labor, being a Latina, uneducated, he didn't stand a chance in this world. I had to go out and create it. And therefore, at the age of 15, I was knocking on the university's doors to let me in. If you could only imagine, they thought it was crazy. They thought it was, I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm ready. I want to go to school. I want to become this teacher because then I know I have this six month beautiful baby who I'm responsible for. Like, I've got to go out and create these opportunities. And fast forward, I divorced my parents so I can go to university. I start university. Okay. What seems to be uphill both ways. Uh-huh. Go to bed at midnight, get up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm packing lunches, diaper bag, heading on a bus at four o'clock in the morning. I'm walking down the street with a two-year-old in my arms and a diaper bag and a backpack. It, like backpacks are heavy enough. Babies are heavy enough. Just like add them all together. If you can only imagine. That's where my life began. Wow. Wow. Goodness gracious. Uh, it is. I want to I want to ask you, what did the alcohol do to you when you were drinking? You were talking about the 13, 14 year old you who discovered alcohol. What what happened when you drank? It was numbing. It was definitely numbing. It was numbing the memories. Like nobody mm. knew how to deal with what was going on with me. Mm. Nobody was even aware. Nobody had any level of awareness of what they had an incline. They definitely experienced it, seeing the abuse. Nobody knew what it was like. Nobody wondered what it was like. Nobody asked, are you okay? Do you need counseling? Do you need anything? And the the thoughts, I'm like, I, I was... I was in awe of thinking of how life could be. And to think about those memories, I'm like, wow, how can anybody do that to their children? I remember when I confronted my mother and they were beating me up one day, right, right before I ran away. We had two beds, two twin beds, one on each side of the house, on each side of the room. She would beat me up, throw me like a rag doll. My father would beat me up, throw me like a rag doll. I get up, I kick him in the groin. Right, like I'm defending myself. I'm like tired of this. Okay, here's a petite teenager tired of this. And I looked at my mother as my father darted out of the room. I said, Are you retarded? What is wrong with you? How can you be doing this to your children? It was beyond me to think that a parent would abuse their child in the way that I was being like, it would abuse anyone, would abuse anyone much less their child. Here I was. 
normally hurt people hurt people what was there whilst you're speaking currently now of your grandmother who took you in was there a history of violence intergenerational before you you know there was what i heard later is that there was verbal abuse that there was verbal abuse in that with my father i heard that there was physical abuse right and with me when i had my before i had my child i said if i ever have children i vow mm. to be kind to them to love them to respect them to support them to be there for them okay i didn't know much okay as a mother what i did know is that i needed to read to my son that i needed to connect with my son that i needed to have him reflect to think for himself to be a different type of a human being what i knew is that the the buck stopped with me that i had the opportunity as a teenager to create a new life and a new world for me was for that him? the driving force then or was that with hindsight that you could verbalize a primal force that you could that probably you didn't know was there at the time are these your words or were these the words of the 14 year old then oh the word of the 14 year old the the 14 year old knew that there was a better way of life right she knew she she looked outside of her wow. to be in in that place she she knew that this was not the way you were supposed to be. as a matter of fact i remember something that i learned later on in life in my 30s I went deep into the personal development for me, not for others, for me. There's a difference between helping others achieve what they desire, and there's a difference between transforming yourself. Oh, hell yeah. I had an opportunity to transform myself. At that time, I had come across Viktor Frankl, which mm -hmm. everyone knows, right? And he would speak when he was in the concentration camps of being beaten, and how he thought that the captors were the people that were beating on him because they had no control over what they were doing. They were just doing what they were being told, right? And that reminds me of a moment in my life, even as, as a little girl, I remember one of the beatings, my mother would, she would hit me really hard and she's like, I want to see you cry. And I'm like, you're never going to see my pain. To think, you know, here's, here's somebody like Viktor Frankl that speaks of it from my psychological perspective, to think that this little girl knew at that time, you don't get to have the privilege, right? In a very interesting way, like I am in control of my feelings. I am in control of what I share with you. And no, you don't get to see my pain. And I went inward. I went inward. I, I, I went into... I became untouchable in that respect. And yes, the beatings hurt. Yes, the things hurt that were done to me. And I knew that I had the control at the end of the day. And Stefan, I believe that people are born, we're all born with that connection. Some of us only maintain it. We just maintain it because of the severity of it. We could either get lost, go one way, or we can take it up and go the other way. The choice is ours. Consciousness is ours. It is yours. It is mine. It is what I do. It's what I choose to do in this moment and this moment and this moment and moment by moment over and over again. What do you get to do? 
You can either be in pain or you can smile. You can either move ahead and think about what's great with it. Here's what I can share with you. From a perspective of a woman now healing, and many years ago, I brought in a client to town and we went to this the conference to make sure that she can get another breakthrough. We, we wanted her to break through. And as I'm sitting in the back of the room, observing her, observing the presenter, I had an epiphany in that moment. And all I can say was, thank you, mom. Like, thank you. Thank you for beating me up. Thank you for abusing me. Thank you for everything that you did because that pushed me away, right? Had I stayed there, I would have lived your life. Had my mother been a tenth of the woman that I wish she would have been a mother, I wouldn't be half the woman that I am. And there are gifts in adversity. There, there's so many gifts. It taught me unconditional love. It taught me connection. It taught me respect. It taught me the hardest lessons in my life that have been the best lessons in my life. I could not agree more. But this is the, this is the, this is, how shall I say it, without having corny cliches. You know, you, there's the, 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 the fact that in order to create diamonds, you need pressure and, and yes, yeah. but it sounds so cliche, so corny, yet it's a fact. Like you, I'm incredibly grateful for the hard times that I went through. And I'm not proud about the, of the detours that I took. Um, the alcohol helped me for a long time to numb yet I had never learned at that time different coping mechanisms different I had not the conviction that I've got nowadays I'm not I was not on a path I was on a I was on a victim path I stayed in that victim role for far too long poor me poor me poor me another one and it is just for crying out loud it uh, it is in my life, I nearly consider it a bit like a wasted opportunity that I stayed in that darkness for such a long time. But then again, I mean, I'm, I've turbocharged the next year's tear after. <laughs> and I guess you did the same, just at a much earlier time. So therefore, you're well ahead of me, actually, in your personal uh, recovery, in your personal transformation. Uh, and that just shows no two people's journey will be the same but there will be many similarities mm -hmm. traumas come in all kind of shapes yet the, the the flow on effects of trauma the the ptsd the depression the the then finally the breakthroughs they are there are variations of a theme and that's so beautiful and that's the reason that that by listening to you, I have to not so many times because I recognize myself in many of the things you say. And and yet I'm so I'm I'm so pleased for you that you had that much earlier than me. Um, therefore, you're now living a life that is so different than than that. May I ask? I mean, there will be many people who are listening to this show who find themselves destitute, who find themselves in a in in scenarios where they think, oh, it's nice for her to have a grandfather or grandparents to go to. Nice of you to, to find somehow higher education. How the hell can I do that? 
what would you tell to a person who literally lives on a dole, not for for convenience sake, but because whatever he, she tries ends up in failure, or at least appears to them to be, what would you say? Keep, keep doing it over and over again. It wasn't easy. Although I went to university, I had a sixth grade education. Okay. I was the youngest person in my classes. Most people had graduated from high school. They were on their second degrees. They were mm. old enough to be my parents. Mm. It wasn't easy to get to school. Remember, I get up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm walking down the street at four o'clock in the morning. I'm taking my bus at 4.15 in the morning. I'm dropping off my baby around 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm hopping on another bus so that I could make it to school by eight o'clock in the morning. Okay, this wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. And if I got lucky, I would eat my cold breakfast that I made at three o'clock in the morning while I was walking. It is, are, what are you willing to do? Like I was willing to, you know what? My life not only depended on it, my son's life and future generations depended on it. It wasn't about me. Mm -hmm. It was about everyone that comes after. It's for the seventh generation to know that if I don't make any sacrifices here now today, everyone will go down with me. I can choose to do it over and over again until I get it. Oh, just beautiful. What a beautiful conviction and what a beautiful clarity that permeated your mind. And it's that clarity. Once you have seen that once you get hooked on it, you get addicted to it because it is that, that it's hard for me to describe the feeling I have, I have, felt extremes of it myself yet at a lower level it like yours it permeates me i i want to be out there i want to be a different man that's it was interesting with hindsight that however i took the detour um with alcoholism or with with yeah. alcohol trying to escape my my pain and my reality um thinking somehow that this is right but yeah, that's it. Is it? Yeah, the problem is, thirty percent of people out there in the Western world are uh, chemically addicted. So it is it is so normal for us to try to escape our reality. We don't face our wounds. We don't face our pain. We don't. We have never often enough learned how to deal with pain, um, because we have learned at a very early stage that oh, let's have um, you know if you fall over, your mummy gives you a lolly or some sugar or whatever. Yeah, rather give you candy bar, ice cream. Exactly. So immediately, oh, sugar rush equals pain. Great. Oh, pain. Oh, I've got pain. I need sugar um, or alcohol. So anything like that. And that's unfortunately how we teach our children. Um, and it is, and I'm as guilty as charged here. I did exactly the same because I was still in the in that same numbing mode when my children mm. were, were little. Uh, they were young, young teenagers when I went into rehab. And we are now learning together or we are unlearning certain behaviors together. And that's that's a, a beautiful journey in its own right. Um, uh, by me transforming my life and making amends and talking honestly about feelings, my children have mm -hmm. learned to do the same. Um, mm -hmm. Yet their early childhood was probably pretty fucked up. 
not that I beat them, not that I was in any way mean to them as far as I'm concerned. I was certainly not kind to them. I was a hurt man. I, a lot of shit had happened to me. A lot of trauma had happened to me and was continuing to happen to me. And I expected so much more from them. And yeah, and if they did not deliver, surprise, surprise, as five, six-year-olds, you do not clean up the kitchen or help daddy, uh, especially not when he's angry. I want you to love me. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. So I made many mistakes. But the past does not equal the future. And I want you guys out there to understand that. Um, it is, uh, Rosio did it at a, did have that, that illumination, that wow moment at a very early stage. For many of us, it comes later. And that's okay. It doesn't matter when it comes. Until it comes. Exactly. And right now, you're listening to this show here because you are obviously at a, at a point where there is pain in your life, where there's darkness in your life. Otherwise, you would not be attracted to our discussion here. It is okay. Whatever happened in the past, it happened. Let it, let it mold you and let it, let it become the driving force for you, but it does not define you. You are not your pain. You are not your trauma. You are not that broken being. If, if it helps you to get, to, to build up that power, to transform you, to push yourself forward, to if it is, becomes the catalyst for you, okay, then accept it. Accept it. Yes, I'm a victor. I was that, that broken person. But now I've got enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And now you can move forward. So that's beautiful. Rosia, wow. So here you were this early, at this early stage convinced, and you you put your literally, you put your money where your mouth is. You actually did it. How did it feel like? Did you okay? I go one step back. I was in a similar survivor role. I did everything that I had to do to achieve something. But I kept going in that survivor role, in that fighter role. Did you learn to celebrate? your gains did you I learn did. to celebrate oh my gosh so interesting that you say that because I had achieved far more than what you could have ever imagined a young girl I'm going to share one thing I took my son when he was 15 years old here I was 30 okay for the first time to back home where I came from, the lost city that I lived in, okay? And I say lost city because we lived in many different cities, many different homes. The lost city, and I knocked on my uncle's door and I'm like, hello, and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, Rocio, Rocio, who? Rocio, Sarah's daughter. And his response was, I never thought I would see you alive. I was 10 years old when I left. I was 10 years old. like. How, like, it breaks my heart to think we don't do enough around our children, right? That, that there's something, when we see something so horrible, we don't do enough. And we just, we just wonder, we, we think of things and we make assumptions and we don't do things. You know what I think, Stefan? One of the greatest epidemics in the world and addictions. 
are actually our thoughts. They don't even have to do with drugs. They don't have to do with alcohol. They don't have to do with anything. It is our thoughts and our emotions and our beliefs. Mm. Those are the biggest addictions that we have in the world. And what do they look like? It looks like we don't pay attention to our children, or it looks like, hey, you know, that person did this to me. Like that person may have done that to you once, and you talked about it a million times, right? When you think about that, when you think about the beliefs, well, I believe this is true. And because you don't see the world the way I see it, you're wrong. That is another addiction that we have. We're addicted to something. We're addicted to the negativity. We're addicted to where misery likes misery. Misery loves company, right? And it's almost like we're wearing badges right there. It's like, oh, you're against that person. So am I, you know, now we're a team. You know what? There's nothing pretty about that. We're destroying. You're either building or destroying humanity with nice. your own work, your yeah. own action, your own beliefs, your own thoughts, and then you're blaming it on the world. Okay, we can't blame it on the world. When oh. we become conscious of who we are being and who we came here to be, I believe that we came into this world to be happy. I believe that we came in to experience the beauty of it, the trees, the parks, the food, the everything, the enjoyment of life. That's what I believe in. We didn't come in here to suffer, yet we're suffering. Not only are we suffering, we're inflicting suffering upon others. Sometimes we're triggered by other people's triggers. It's like we're wearing that badge. Oh, you're upset about that? I'm going to be upset about that too. And it's like, oh, you know, let's bring consciousness back into here. How am I creating my life? What, what am I responsible? See, and I heard this many years ago from a speaker who asked, the only problem is that I don't see that you're part of it. Yet you are. You're the creator of it. What do you respond? What can you get responsible for in your life? What didn't I say? Okay, well, you didn't have a conversation. You didn't stand up when somebody was being beaten up. You didn't stand up when somebody was talking bad about others. You allowed others to talk gibberish, whatever you want to call it, around. You know, you allowed people to abuse other people. That's what you can get responsible for. What was your part in it? Because if we're not saying something, we're creating something and then we end up numbing ourselves for what we created Ooh, ouch ouch now you're really holding a mirror in front of people guys you must have felt a pang of pain there um i did because rosia is right <laughs> she is so right i 100 uh agree with that and but having said that, it's good to feel that pain. Uh, it's good to feel that jolt of what What did you just say? Because maybe it's the wake up that you need. Maybe it is the that realization that your non-action, your your stand, you you being a, uh, a bystander, is actually contributing to the bad things and to the life that you so despise. Why not make a difference? Why not, why not go out there and take leadership as a daily habit, as a practice, as a, hey, yes, I'm a leader. I will start with myself, leading by example, the key thing. You can't just hope that the world somehow gets better. How about that you show integrity 
being defined as doing the right thing when no one watches. Start mm -hmm. with little things, doing the right things for yourself, being authentic, being honest, being accountable, being responsible for what you do. Show yourself as a lifelong learner and demonstrate that to people around you. Yes, you could just hang around and watch Netflix. And sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes I just came out of a 24-hour time frame where I actually did nothing else and watched German uh, criminal uh, series. And it was nice. I, had a, I just needed that time out. But now I'm back into it. I'm yearning to, to, to be active, responsible, and doing something myself. So if I'm putting things down, it's okay to have a pity party. It's okay to feel a bit sorry for yourself. There are times in your life when you just have to stop what you're doing, even if it is good things. You just have to end of the story. And that's okay. But as a general theme, would it not be nice if you take leadership, if you take ownership of your life and actually go out there and practice that? And I promise you, the moment you start doing that, people will take notice. Your children will take notice and think, ah, What's happening there? What's different with you? What exactly, exactly. And suddenly they will model you. Some Suddenly they will think, huh, look at dad. He is serving mummy. He is there for mummy and doing those little things. They will pick that up. And mm -hmm. they see the smile on mummy's face when daddy does something like washing up just because he can or, or doing something because he can. And... Mommy is, is, is happy and there's a smile on her face. And the children see that. So that's ownership. That's leadership. That's you modeling. And that's you creating a better world. It doesn't take much. You only just have to be true to yourself and actually drop the bullshit and right. start learning. Right. I come from an early childhood education perspective as well, coupled with leadership, if you can only imagine. I get to see the magic specializing from zero to eight. And I get to see the adults that come into to my practice. And they could be, they can have everything, Stefan. Everything. They can be multi-millioners. I've had people who earn 70 million, lose it, 10 million, lose it, two million. You just put a number, it's just a number. Why? Because they feel unworthy because of something that happened in their past that they have numbed themselves to. Let me repeat that. Something that happened in their past that they numb themselves to, yet there's an unworthiness. There's a shame. There's anger, shame, blame, resentment, jealousy, envy. Mm. You know, there, there's secret, anything that we're harboring inside of us. See, I, I wish I could be here 100 hours with you. What I will share is that we become who we hang out with. Mm. And we go out on a walk. At one point or another, you and I, either you pick up my cadence or I pick up yours. See, I went to go visit a prison inside of Florence, Colorado. And when I walked in there, that was one of my, my dreams is like someday I want to go and connect because I know these people are good people at the end of the day. They just had bad programming. Okay, something happened and they learned something. You were asking children who are being imprisoned to have remorse when what they did was normal in their environment in order to survive. And we can take this conversation a million different ways. Okay. Here's these people who, these men that were walking at a cadence. And I remember turning around to the ward and I said, why are, are you, do you guys teach them to walk like that? 
is it like a military style? It was just one of those moments for me that I, I wanted to understand. He goes, no, once they resign themselves, they start walking at a cadence together. They've accepted that they're here. Okay. We do that around people. When you talked about when daddy treats mommy, you go, okay, guess what? That child starts picking up on that. That is the invisible language that we have learned and language that is impacting the rest of our life. It is the behavior that becomes familiar. Here's one thing that I would love people to walk away with. It's going to feel different. When we start, it's going to feel different, okay? It felt different to behave and do the things that we have done. And we've done it so long that it feels so normal that the moment that we do something that is good for us, it is going to feel foreign. We're going to feel like an imposter. We're going to feel like we're, we're going to feel vulnerable. And there's two differences between being vulnerable and feeling vulnerable, right? Being vulnerable, you and I share our story so others can awaken and, and find their own insights, reflect on their own life. So to know that it is possible, guess what? There's two people. If one person can do it, two can do it, two million can do it, you know, 200 million can do it, whatever that is. But to, to be vulnerable is this, to feel vulnerable is feeling under attack. Nobody's attacking us. People are here to help us. People like you and I are like, I wish I had people, I wish I had a Stefan in my life when I was going through my journey. Because guess what? I numbed myself. And I was successful by all measures. At the age of 33, I had the car, the house, the kid, the education. I was an empty nester. I had the business. I had it all through the outside lens. And you asked me a question that I'm going to answer now, okay? You asked me, do I celebrate? And let me share with you. At the age of 35, I'm 46 now. At the age of 35, the first time I went into a conference, and I was, I was exploring a year prior and many years prior, specifically in this journey, a year prior, I was exploring and figuring out what shapes me. You know, like I need to turn coaching onto me. Almost 17 years coaching others, leading others. Nobody had ever led me. I was leading the adults in my life to get what I knew was right for me, okay? if I When I went to go divorce my parents, it wasn't because I knew what to do. I needed the assistance of adults. I needed the assistance of people. And it was always me guiding people and saying, hey, this is where I'm going. Can you help me? This is where I'm going. And people became a mentor, whether it was one conversation, one year, or whether it was a lifetime whatever that was in that time. So I say that to go back to that day that was very pivotal, and it was in the conference that I went to on May 5th, 2012. And I was standing there and they did an exercise to check in with people. And we were supposed to give compliments to people. And I was running around, you, you would have thought they were gonna give me the Nobel prize. You look amazing. Oh, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. Like, never let anybody give me a compliment. What I realized is that I didn't feel worthy of what I had. I had a dual <laughs> MBA. I had two associates. I had a bachelor's degree. I had a business. I had achieved. I was going to be published in the International Social Health Sciences Journal. I was doing all these different things. I had received the awards. I was on TV, you name it. And I had never acknowledged my success. 
Uh-huh. And that was that was an awakening for me to, to start feeling worthy that I wasn't just in survival mode, getting these things improving. And guess what I was proving? I was proving two things. One, education became my safe haven, as I shared with you earlier. Education became my safe haven. I no longer needed an education, I realized, because I was going after my PhD, like my life depended on it. Mm. When I realized, and that's inside of my book of Unstoppable, when I realized that I no longer needed education as a safe haven, that I own the business and that I can create it, I can hire people to do the work that needs to be done, that it's not just me. And then the other part of it is like just that whole feeling of, I'm here. I'm worthy of what I'm creating. I'm worthy of acknowledging myself, even when others don't. Because not everybody's going to go on the journey with us. Let's be honest, okay? Mm. There are some people, like you talked about, there are some people that are going to go to their deathbeds and never wake up. And I talk, wake up, you know exactly what I'm talking about, mm. to reach consciousness, to reach the consciousness that I'm here for a reason, that my life has value. And yes, do we fall? Do I fall? Of course I do. You know, it's emotional. There's moments. I was recently, I had a moment where I'm on the stage. I've been working on this project for 10 years. And I'm looking at my audience and my family isn't there. And those are moments of, of saying, yeah, does, does that hurt? Of course it does. I'm human. I'm human. That hurt. Guess what? And it doesn't define me. Like I define me. I can get up and say, okay, it's fine. You know what? I get to choose how I feel about this moving forward. Do I get to have a moment with it and say, okay, let me feel it. Okay. It reminds me of being human. And you know what? My life isn't defined by who is it in it and who is not. I define my life. You, you have got the privilege to choose how you respond to a certain something happening. Yes. And maybe maybe as a little framework for you guys out there when you feel this wave of anger and resentment washing over you that when something is happening maybe the first question you may wish to ask is is my perception actually really right is actually what this person just saying to me or the situation as i interpreted is it actually really happening or is something triggering some long hidden trigger from my childhood where maybe my mother rolled her eyes in a certain way, disapproving and maybe with disgust? And do I now see the same nonverbal communication in my wife? And whilst what she has said, and maybe the tone that she said could be ambivalent, but it was the roll of the eyes that made you trigger? So is your perception really the truth or is it something, a memory or a vague something that is being played in front of your eyes? So maybe and I know you and I, eh? you and I will put our money where our mouth is. <laughs> and I will say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Studying early childhood, studying oh. what I've studied, that has allowed me to understand how people see the world. Is it not? 
absolutely and that is that's where we are coming in now to actually just make yes. this a different world i mean it is it, but you let's 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 actually show what you have created because you are not only going out there and being as a speaker there being as a um being a woman of 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 a direct helper a direct guide to other people who are coming into your life professionally as a as a life coach but you're actually an author so we both have have actually put our our thoughts to it and try to to verbalize and put it on paper um what how what we're believing show me your book because you're an established author time to show and tell unstoppable brilliant and a number and an ice amazon bestseller so you yes. worked hard to achieve that uh where can we find your book and you what is your book all about is it about your story oh my gosh no, it's part, it does talk a little bit about myself. I'm going to go through the book here. It is in a couple of different sections. So the first one is to understand how you can do more in less time. We talk about leaders being born. Are they born or are they made? A lot of people are like, oh no, leadership's not for me. You know what? We're all leaders. Wow. We're leaders in our own life. Okay. Unlocking the secrets of the mind. When you understand where we go from unconscious which is 95% of what we do, to conscious, which is 5% of what we do in our life. When we start to learn that, imagine what we can create. Before, I, I love the fact that you gave that example of the rolling the eyes in the wife. And guess what? He ends up getting a divorce. He ends up divorcing the wife because of a trigger that he had with his mother. What a concept. Because now every time he sees his wife, he thinks about on a subconscious level how his mother made him feel mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with his wife. And it let that go on for time and time again. Mm -hmm. And that is a level of unconsciousness that robs us of our freedom. It robs us of our happiness. It robs us of our life. It robs us of our joy, like our happiness. And I can talk forever. So now now we can come in here and like talking about how do we banish those invisible forces? Those are the invisible forces, okay? The, the, the secret look, the gesture, when somebody points at you and you give it a different meaning. Well, I don't know why they do. Like, I don't like that person. Well, guess what? You've been triggered. Not only have you been triggered, now you've been, now you've enrolled, you've enrolled other people to be triggered alongside with you. So you have gone unconscious, okay? Now let's wake up, okay? This is the moment of awakening. I invite you to wake up with me here now, right? I invite you because you know exactly what it is that is important for you to do in order for you to wake up in this moment mm. with me here now. And when we look about how do we align the values, because we came in here, we learned everything that you and I know today, we learned it somewhere. What you and I are reaching and where we're at right now, and we're always in the process of becoming, right? Because we're always reaching for more. We're always reaching to become a better version of ourselves. You know what? We're reaching to come here, to return to who we came here to be, not hmm. who we became here to be. And I'm going to define those two. Okay, who we came here to be is far more powerful. It is unique. You are one in billions of people. There's never going to be another one like you. And, you know, for some reason, thank God that there's not going to be another one like me because sometimes I'm too energetic. I'm like the energizer bunny, like going and going and going. And to understand that the other one is who we became to be. We became to be because we started wearing that mask of mother, father, teacher, preacher to please them. And all of a sudden we're this chameleon. 
Mm. And we don't even know ourselves. Mm. We're putting on an act in front of every person. And there is a lack of authenticity. There's a lack of connection. We're trying to be somebody who we're not. Like it's so inauthentic. Let's take off the mask. Let's start to be more authentic and let's go back to the decision and choice. And there's a difference between a decision and a choice. A lot of people make decisions. They don't make choices. I'm inviting people to make choices. A decision. I'm on a health program. I need to eat. Okay. A choice. I'm still on a health program. I must look and evaluate what there is to eat and make a decision, make a choice based on where I'm going in my life. There's a difference, right? Decision, I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat. Choice, what am I going to eat based on where I'm at right now? Mm. Okay, that is the difference between those two. And then we go on here, um, realigning with my values and then creating my desires. And that's a journey, depending on how, how, you know, most of this time when we see, hear stuff on the moments of awakening is a divorce. The moments of awakening are a death. The moment <laughs> of awakening is a life health crisis. Yeah. And I talk about that because I was there, 33 on top of the world. I thought I had it all. As I turned 34, the eve of my 34th birthday, I ended up in the emergency room to only discover that I had a brain tumor, which was my biggest blessing because that woke me up to the fact that I hadn't lived. <laughs> I was going through the motions of like getting the degrees and getting everything. You know what? I had not lived. It is time to wake up and live, okay? Wake up and live. Like, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I don't care, you know? you Somebody likes my book, uh, great. Use it to, to your advantage, right? I've discovered it. I've been to the School of Hard Knocks. I have a triple PhD in the School of Hard Knocks. If you want to lead the way, guide the way, I know that you have the potential. We all have it within us. Mm. And if it's possible for one, it's possible for all. Oh, beautiful. Uh, absolutely unstoppable. <laughs> that is what you can become. Uh, and that is what Rosio is. And that is what your book is all about. About, um, well, no, no, if you can show, I can show. Because I've got my book as well. That's right. Yay. Well, that's the sobriety. And I actually like it that, that we can come out here because we can celebrate. We can celebrate that's your book. That's right, because your book, it would have cost you quite a, a penny to actually do it. B, it costs you time, because you passion. It, it is a, a path of healing in its own right to actually create something, but also to open yourself to the world and, and share those maybe intimate insights that you have. And mm -hmm. that is the amazing thing. So... It is so beautiful for you that you chose to share your knowledge and your skills and your insights with others out there. It is, it is what makes you you. And I'm pleased that you found the, the insight that you need to stop for a moment and actually smell the roses and appreciate yourself. I remember uh, when I uh, did my, my anesthetic training out here in, in New Zealand, I did 
in the morning I did the exam, the part one exam, and it was done and dusted. Instead of relaxing, etc., I went straight that afternoon into a part two course um, to start preparing for the next for the next exam. That was not a single second of a bloody break. It was just what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And it was I never learned to to celebrate. And it's only nowadays that I'm that I'm stepping back, and I've learned to celebrate but it's still a hard lesson to learn it's still i still don't do it naturally so what i've done is i've i've, I've taken on a mentor and i've got a, a spread um, excel spreadsheet basically my flight deck and where on my flight deck I, I line out the goals my overall goals what i want to achieve this year in five years then i break it down to quarters then i break it down to weeks and focus on the big things that i want to achieve but then i because I break it down into weeks, I also hold myself accountable. And by putting those things in, what I have achieved, where am I in my weight, my personal weight? Where am I in the activities that I've done? Where am I in my viewership on my, my thing? Whatever my, my goals were, I try to have measure, measurable things. And then I actually stop for a moment and say, wow, you've just grown your viewerships by 100% in the last three months. Wow. Well done, Stefan. And this well done, this, this pat on the back, we don't do it often enough. We just keep going, going, going like the bloody energizer banner. And, and guess what? Now, you are such a beautiful human being, warts and all. Just please, please stop for a moment and give yourself the credit for what you have achieved. And the privilege to be alive, the privilege to be alive. It is a miracle to even be alive in general. You know, what are the odds of being like billions, one in billions of people to be born, right? Like the odds right here, when you start looking at it and when we start looking at consciousness and life, the enjoyment, the beauty of it, it, what is life about? If we're not enjoying, we're suffering. Right, we're either building or destroying. So and let's let's focus on the building, though, because yes. let's build strong young humans. You're an early yes. childhood educator, so we all want to play. We all, and as adults, we have forgotten the joy of playing, the joy of messing around. You want to bring that back into the life of adults. How better I to do, do that than actually to create a game? I'm actually quite intrigued. Exactly. This is woman is is magic, isn't she? This woman is magic. I'm gonna take this this there you go. There it is. You can see that. The mind shift game, the game that makes you a winner. Okay. <laughs> How cool the is that? that a winner. Okay. The we find that one of the most extraordinary things is to track our progress. You talked about it, okay? Yes. We have a form of tracking. We have ways to start building yourself up. Like, how yes. amazing is that? We have the mindset game that you can play in the privacy of your own home. You can take it to work. You can do whatever. You can play it even with friends. You can do whatever you want to do with it. And it goes through and it starts to create to become that new life of more becoming more familiar. It's about bold effort affirmations it's about bold actions it is about visualizing that future you know what kept me alive was visualization 
And I said that in the beginning, to be able to see a future, I saw a future better than the future, than the life that would have been there, than that moment, than where that life was going. See, we do have a tendency to recreate the past when we're not conscious of it. Mm. We will relive that past over and over and over again. And until we reach consciousness, and consciousness means that I reach presence. Presence is that the only thing I see is the here now. You and I, here and now. And how do I create from here into that future? That vision, was it, was it easy? Okay, Stefan, it was eight hours on a bus every day. That was only school time, walking in the rain and the snow and mm. the elements. And sometimes my shoes, my feet hurt because they weren't the right size. There was moments that my arms felt like they were going to fall. There was moments that I fell down to the ground, to my knees, because I couldn't afford to buy my son a pair of shoelaces. I had a choice. By a gallon of milk or a pair of shoelaces how do we build how do we build here now mm. this game is about building this game is about creating the life and it molds itself the beauty of it is that the game molds itself to the individual allowing them to take those actions that are important and allowing them to build the strengths where they need to build them where it's important for them to build it and then then we have the mind shift guilt it is a membership online community where people get to interact with me they get to interact with other coaches they get to take those leadership classes and we we focus on five strengths right now and that is courage taking courageous actions it is confidence how do we build it and how do we enhance it hmm. expanding our vision you know what our vision, we don't even know what our vision is until we reach consciousness, okay? We've been following something. Like, I was chasing money. Like, my life depended on it. It wasn't about money, okay? And then our power, like, owning our power. You know what? I get, I have a say in this matter. I have a, a choice. I get to choose to speak up and say something that I'm not just a passenger on the back of a bus that has no choice. And there's a driver up there. You know what? I get to choose to walk up to the bus, to the bus driver and say something hmm. or take the wheel. Okay. If it's necessary for me to take the wheel and this, this bus driver is not compromising or working with me. And I said compromising in a sense that I, I use that lightly. But co-creating is the most important thing. How are we nice. co-creating life hmm. yeah. into that? And that's what this game allows us to. We have a physical board game and you get to see and you get to track your progress over and over again. And I promise you, I promise you, you have you have a journal that comes along with the, with the game. And I promise you, because this has been the case for every single person I've ever worked with. This is, this is my leadership course. That was $60,000 for people, okay? You work inside of a corporation at $60,000. People can buy it. For four hundred and ninety nine dollars. Uh, How wild is that? You can't to hire me for an hour in coaching is a thousand dollars. You're getting this for less than half of that, <laughs> and you have it for a lifetime. Okay, you have it for a lifetime, and then I promise you here, where you start writing inside of your journal. As a matter of fact, I have my own journal here as well that I was writing in my morning. And I'll talk about some of those things that are there. Here's my journal. Here's my journal that I was writing uh, 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 in the morning. Okay, so I do this work too. Okay, I do my own work. Not only do other people do it, I do it as well. And every single journal 
as people go through it and they can go back a month down the road, mm. they can see how they grow. Mm, all they when you look six months down the road and you review all your journals and keep them, you can see the quantum leaps, mm. your language patterns, your bold actions, what you're achieving. Imagine a year, three years, five years down the road. Mm. It is what you put the effort that you put into it because it's like gym, right? Mm. You go to the gym to work out. If you don't go and use the gym equipment and, and work out the way that it's intended, it's not going to work. Mm. Right. It's, this is no magic pill, okay? This is something that we all put forth the work. That's it. You want to live a healthy life? We've got to eat healthy. Like, I can't do that for you. I've, mm. I've, I have created the game, and I've gamified it and brought it to price points that anyone can afford it. Mm. Like, I had a woman, okay, this is so wild, a woman who hired me to coach her daughter, and at the time it was $1,700 into that. And she brought me half of the money one day, dropped off her daughter at Starbucks so I can coach her. And what I did not know is that she sold waters, bottled water outside of a stadium. She, out of a cooler, a dollar a water bottle. She had to sell how many? Yeah, 850. <laughs> yeah, like 1,700 of them, okay? Yeah, exactly. 1,700 to get her daughter coached. Wow. Can you imagine, like, if this woman who's, who's outside of a, of a stadium, out of a sports stadium, can do that? Anyone can do this. You know, and it, and it talks about priorities. Sometimes I, when I made the shift, my education to transform myself, to learn, because I learned from so many different people, very different to transform yourself so you can lead others mm. and very different to transform yourself to lead yourself. Two very different things. For me, the first investment that I had to make was $10,000. I didn't have $10,000. <laughs> and yet I learned, you know, yeah. that I, it was important for me to start saving money instead of going to the movies to stop going to, I'd save the money from Starbucks. I'd save the money from the shopping that I did. I've saved the money from here, from there, from like, oh my gosh. To the tune that at some point I invested 400,000 into my learning. Because not only did I learn, I was so grateful for the experience that I volunteered my time for free. Mm -hmm. I paid for my food. I paid for my hotel. I paid for my flight. I paid for my time. And I'm talking about, I was going to conferences where we had to set up ahead of time and mm. do a four or five day conference. So I'm there a, a day ahead, a day behind, you know, whatever. And let me, let me share with you. One of my greatest privilege was to share that time, to watch another person transform before my eyes, to get it. And to create, start creating the life, those moments of awakening, when they wake up, when we wake up, when I woke up, I remember I had one of my own people when I was volunteering, I came off the stage with such gratitude, bringing somebody off the stage. And one of the gals in the room said, it's nice to see you. Because that moment, I stopped being untouchable and started being human. Beautiful. You 
realize the privileges that you had and you worked hard and you but you you had found the way where you wanted to go and you I mean if I just paraphrase here you you were essentially your goals were very very clear your path to those goals were not always quite so clear but you chose to experiment and you chose to think outside of the of the box the sheer fact that you created a game to reach more people is such a prime example of thinking outside of the box and not just accepting the status quo so to speak but to actually say no i want to be more effective i want to be different what does it take for me to go there so again it is action it's about all about taking action um, but if you just take action not knowing the direction that you want to go you will tread water and it will just be tiring but here you go you chose your direction you chose your vision and you took action uh, in measurable small steps you held yourself accountable you took your your strong work ethic and put it to good use as part of it you made money part of it you served others and i strongly believe in the law of reciprocity that, that whatever you put out there into the universe you get back so you showed so many leadership principles in the last few minutes um which which proved to me that this journey is indeed worthwhile that this journey is actually the right journey to be on sometimes we wonder sometimes we doubt ourselves sometimes there's little imposter syndromes or little voices that, that try to put you down and then when i hear your story it confirms for me that with the right action and in the put into the right direction you can achieve things that maybe 99 of other people will never even think about yet you do it rosio that, that is a an, you know that's leadership that's bloody leadership that, that's <laughs> That's leadership. Exactly. And that's where we get ourselves. When we understand ourselves to the depths of understanding how, what saved yes. us, what got us there. When we understand how we're showing up. Okay. So there's what happened to me and how I experienced the world and how I experienced the world. I'm just going to say it again, how I experienced it. Okay. Because sometimes the way we experience is not the way that it was. I don't know why, but I have an inkling. And then there's how we're showing up right now. Yeah. Okay. And how we're showing up maybe the imposters you talked about and then we put in how i will sabotage myself to come back and stay inside of this comfort zone mm. therefore continuing to recreate my past beautiful right how do i choose presence here now in leadership so i can move forward start creating start where you are you you do we mess up? Of course. Has it been perfect for me? Of course not. Will it ever be perfect? Of course not. Guess what? I get to make a choice right here, right here. If I ate a candy bar five minutes ago and I, hey, I see my personal trainer tomorrow morning, right? It's like, I see him and he's going to know. Like, that's probably <laughs> one of the best ways to sell because I had this conversation with my personal trainer yesterday. I see him four days a week. And, you know, there's other times of the week that I see him as well for, for other activities that we get to create in this world together. And 
I'm like, I haven't been honest with you. Yes, I'm doing my exercises, but guess what? I'm going out to eat and I am eating really well, right? I'm eating my steaks. I'm eating my ice cream. You may be trying to tweak me. Like, I've got to be honest, okay? Uh Because he's teaching me what to do in order to get my body in a shape that I wanted in. Okay. Yet what I'm doing is sabotaging the very thing that I'm asking him to create for me. The same thing with the game. Okay. The same thing with the game. So first of all, the book is in Spanish as well. Second of all, the book is a workbook. It is the book that keeps on giving. You can do this workbook a hundred times, a million times and discover something new. The same thing with the game. The game is a process. Follow the process and there will be an extraordinary outcome. Follow the process. Okay, Rocio, eating steak, filet mignon. I was show, I, would, I, I could show you my pictures that I was sending him. At one point, I had to become honest with myself and I only took pictures of the food that I was eating. I didn't take a pictures of the drinks I was drinking. I wasn't taking a picture of the desserts that I was eating, <laughs> right? I wasn't taking a picture of the third snack that I had that day. <laughs> You know, Uh, I wasn't doing all of that. Okay. So I had to become honest with myself and I had to tell on myself and tell him, you know what? Yes. You've been teaching me these things and maybe I should have trimmed down more than what I did. And I had to become very honest with myself. Are you drinking your smoothies? No, I'm not. And and even not (laughs) drinking my smoothies immediately after the workout impacts my body because that helps my body heal and recover. Mm. And if I'm not drinking my protein smoothie or veggies, whatever smoothie I'm supposed to be drinking, because I oscillate between both of them, it it has an impact. Hmm. Very true. Oh, that's brilliant. Rosia Perez, an amazing woman, uh, an amazing journey. And I can't wait to have you again on in a few years time or maybe even with the speed that you're transforming maybe even in a few months time to see to see who you will be when you grow up um because i haven't decided yet i i i don't know it's such a beautiful journey and i don't know who i will be in a year's time uh in maybe five years time it will be a different person it will hopefully be a better person um there are already quite a few people that i have been who i definitely am no longer so it is uh we both are on a journey and you guys out there it is what stops you what stops you coming along it is it's your decision it is uh decide means in its original uh i think it's latin means to cut off to make a decision means you cut off the past and you change it and you you go forward. And that's exactly what both Rosia and me have done. What stops you? Okay, you you nothing will happen overnight, but right now you can make a decision to actually, after liking and subscribing to my channel, and after looking down uh, for Rosio's details, which are in the in the description of the podcast and of the YouTube show, um, after sort of clicking on them and checking it out, why don't you have a big glass of water and let you rehydrate yourself? You have done something to help yourself right there and then. You took action. It was not difficult, was it? 
okay, glass of water. So maybe then you decide on something else. Choose one thing and do it, whatever that means. You might have been procrastinating about something. Just do a little bit of it. Just give yourself five minutes of that. Okay, I might go out this morning and weed the garden. Just five minutes. If I'm in the mood, I will do more, but it's a chore that not really particularly excites me. But I force myself to do five minutes. Well, that's a win. That's something where I get a smile on my face and say, I actually showed up. I actually, that was integrity I showed. That was the leadership I showed. And guess what? That is another thing I did. And suddenly these are two things I can celebrate and makes you feel good. These are little things, little steps in the right direction. Guys, I invite you to come along to this journey. It's a beautiful journey. It is, you can only win. There are only winners in this game. Uh, and sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Okay, so either way, either way, you will be a better person. So it's fantastic. So come along. Rosia, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. You're an amazing woman. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for your passion, for your time, for your effort. Thank you so much. Stefan, thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. And I am looking forward to connecting with you. And uh, what I would say as final words is that making a decision and changing your course of action takes time. Like that decision is instantly changing your course of action instantly. Getting to the results will take what it will take. <laughs> it will be what it will be depending on the level of effort that we commit to it. 100% agreed. Guys out there, live with passion. Bye. Bye.